0: Hello, and welcome to another episode of Cracking Addiction. My name is Philippe Naren and I'm joined, as always, by Dr. Fergal Armstrong. In the episode today, we're going to follow on from our earlier episode when we talked about opioid use disorder in pregnancy, and we're now going to talk about the post-delivery period. So, Fergal, what are the main things we need to consider in a woman with opioid use disorder who's just delivered her child?
1: So I think there are three main issues we need to consider. Firstly, the health of mum, the issues around breastfeeding, and then thirdly, the health of the baby. So if we start thinking firstly about the health of mum, it's not so much an issue with buprenorphine, but when we're thinking about mums who have delivered on are on uh, methadone, remember I said in, er, in the earlier episode that the placenta actually has a lot of CYP 3A4 in it. And so the placenta contributes to the overall metabolism of methadone in pregnancy. And that may actually necessitate an increasing dose in pregnancy. Now, when when mums deliver, remember, they lose the placenta, they also lose baby, and they also lose a lot of body fluids. So there's a significant change in the body composition of mums. And so those two factors may then contribute to an elevation in the plasma concentration of methadone which may then cause mum to feel drowsy. So immediately after delivery, and really also for a period up to 12 weeks after delivery, there are changes in the uh, body composition of mum, the, the fluid balances of mum, and uh, which basically means that for the same level of um, methadone, you may be experiencing different plasma concentrations. And we need to be mindful of that. So I think really it, it, it behoves mums to be carefully monitored, certainly daily in the first uh, in the first uh, three or four days, and then definitely weekly for at least the next twelve weeks. Because with this uh, elevation in plasma methadone concentration, mum may become and so we need to be looking out for that. There are there are various ways of managing the potential risk for for drowsiness in mums after delivery, and I've seen all three methods work. So I've seen mums just stay on the same dose of methadone. I've seen mums reduce their methadone dose a little bit. And I've seen mums reduce their dose by 50% immediately after delivery. And then over time, the dose of methadone is then recalibrated to mums requirements or, uh, you know, over the next 12 weeks. So I'm not saying there's a specific right or wrong answer. But I am saying that every clinician who's involved in the care of mum after delivery who's on methadone, they need to be aware of the potential risk for sedation and drowsiness, and that needs to be managed, especially if you're giving mum's medication for ongoing pain relief. So if mum's had a cesarean section, which is very painful, remember, you then need to start thinking about whether or not you're going to give opioids to an opioid-dependent patient who's got fluid balance shifts and loss of 3A4 and is ready on methadone. So the, I think the key is careful monitoring.
0: Thanks for that great summary, Fergal. And it's something that we as prescribers really need to be vigilant about, especially in the postpartum period for a woman who was on a sufficient dose of methadone to manage her pregnancy, but with all the fluid shifts and the loss of the placenta, that same dose of methadone may be toxic to her in the postpartum period and could cause respiratory depression and death. Is that fair?
1: That's fair enough. And the key, the key to managing it is to closely observe mum.
0: So, this brings me to the second topic that you were talking about, which is breastfeeding in the uh, post birth period. And a lot of women are very concerned about breastfeeding while being on methadone and suboxone and worried about harming their child. What would yeah. you say with regards to breastfeeding while on opioid substitution therapy, Fergal?
1: So I think the overall point to get across is that opioid replacement therapy does not contraindicate breastfeeding. And actually, we should be encouraging breastfeeding, especially in moms with opioid use disorder on ORT for the sake of baby. But if we look at the kinetics, uh, you know, we're looking at methadone. So we know that methadone in breast milk, there's about a one to three percent of the dose transferred. So, if someone's on a hundred milligrams of methadone a day, you're looking at a one to three percent of that going into breast milk. So, really, we're looking at very low doses of of, of methadone in breast milk. And actually, we we also know that that um, if if we're dealing with neonatal abstinence syndrome in moms who have had methadone and are still taking methadone, actually that even though they're breastfeeding their child with meth- and they're taking methadone, that's not enough actually to treat the neonatal abstinence syndrome. So there's two pieces of evidence to suggest that really the effect of methadone in breast milk is trivial. Then if we look at buprenorphine, well, we know that the the, the transfer into breast milk for buprenorphine is less than 1%. But we also know that buprenorphine is only absorbed sublingually. So even if baby swallows less than 1% of the maternal dose, it shouldn't actually um, you know get into the systemic circulation of baby because the baby's swallowing it. So again the, the you know the risks to to baby from uh, maternal buprenorphine again are very trivial. So for those reasons, and for various other reasons associated with the benefits of bonding, et cetera., et cetera., I think it's important for all clinicians to encourage breastfeeding.
0: I think that's so important, and that's exactly the advice that I give uh, my patients as well. And going on to neonatal abstinence syndrome, it's, it's a topic that I think we touched on briefly on an earlier episode, but something we should talk in a bit more detail about now because it is a significant concern for mothers in particular. And mm. one of the reasons why a lot of women consider stopping opioid substitution therapy So neonatal uh, abstinence syndrome is when the infant is withdrawing of the substances they've been exposed to in utero. What's Mm. your spiel that you give women with regards to neonatal abstinence syndrome, Virgil? Well,
1: firstly, we need to understand that neonatal abstinence syndrome, NAS, doesn't just occur with maternal exposure to opioids. It can can occur with maternal exposure to many other drugs, including antidepressants. Secondly, the risks of neonatal abstinence, certainly with opioid replacement therapy, are not dose-dependent. So lowering the dose of any opioid replacement therapy during pregnancy is not going to reduce the child's risk of developing NAS. Uh, Whilst there is a A higher risk for mums, sorry, for babies of developing neonatal abstinence syndrome with methadone than buprenorphine, the the risks of withdrawal in pregnancy are greater than the risks of neonatal abstinence syndrome after delivery. At the end of the day, neonatal abstinence syndrome is a treatable condition, whereas withdrawal in pregnancy can actually cause miscarriage. Neonatal abstinence syndrome, is a, you, you potentially need to observe babies for up to a month because you can, you can get a delayed presentation, but the commonest time to present is up to the first five days of, of delivery. And so there are particular scales that we can use. And one, one commonly used scale that is used to identify neonatal abstinence syndrome is the Finnegan scale or the modified Finnegan scale. And that looks at a, a wide range of physiological and behavioral parameters which I can I can't remember specifically the parameters, but I just think of it as gastrointestinal parameters, neurological parameters, cardiorespiratory and metabolic parameters, and really what you're looking for is a sign of baby's distress. And really, you know, it's poor feeding, vomiting, jitteriness, um, crying a lot, not being able to be soothed, and also f- really there's a, there is a small risk of seizures, but. The bottom line point to make is that the risk of neonatal abstinence syndrome to baby is less than the risk of withdrawal during pregnancy. And so lowering the dose and not treating opioid use disorder in pregnancy is, is a more harmful uh, intervention.
0: Absolutely, Fergal. And th- the thing I often tell uh, women is the treatment for neonatal abstinence syndrome, first line treatment is usually symptomatic management. What we yeah. do is we, uh, nurse the child in a quiet room in a darkened room we swaddle the child and we Mm. provide symptomatic management so there's no real medications used as first-line intervention most of the time in neonatal abstinence syndrome and depending on the scoring of the modified finnegan scale if the score is quite significant obviously we do use medication and a lot of the time uh, a bit of morphine may be used based on um, the scoring but A lot of the time with neonatal abstinence syndrome, basic symptomatic management, reassuring the child, contact with mother, holding the child, breastfeeding is a lot of the first line management of neonatal abstinence syndrome. So it is a condition, as you mentioned, that is well known, easily identified and very easily treatable.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and really that feeds back to, you know, the fact that breastfeeding is so important um, and really breastfeeding and the delivery of methadone via breast milk hasn't actually been changed, shown to improve the outcomes of NAS, But it, it, but breastfeeding per se has been shown to improve outcomes in NAS.
0: In the episode today, we've talked about the monitoring required in the post birth period for women on opioid substitution therapy the importance of breastfeeding for women who are on opioid substitution therapy and how it is safe and also about neonatal abstinence syndrome, how to identify it, how to monitor it and how to treat it. So thank you once again for your company on this episode of Cracking Addiction and bye for now.